You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. What up, everybody, and welcome to episode 84, 2, 5, and 10. Benny, we made it. We are at the top of the mountain here. We officially have a new king in the jungle. The Tampa Bay Lightning are the 2020 Stanley Cup champions. Benny, what up? Not appreciating the king reference right off the right off the bat there so i don't know if that was on purpose or not <laughs> i was gonna say i guess that, that was a bad transition on my end so i apologize for that but uh a, a new guy at the top of the mountain we won't call him the king in the ca- oh, i can't call him the king in the castle either oh well now you got me thinking about the king references but um <laughs> uh, we'll get into the king himself henrik lundquist but while we're starting hot uh, let's discuss this uh stanley cup final what were your thoughts outtakes Anything specific that stood out to you? What's your take on everything? Yeah, I mean, the Stanley Cup final, I know I picked Dallas in six. I thought they had kind of that it factor. But once the game started playing, it was just Dallas needed everything to go right and then some and just to win a game or two. And Tampa Bay could sleepwalk through two and a half periods and then, then just drop three goals on them and win a game. So it was very clear the talent disparity, I guess a depth of the talent disparity between the two teams. Uh, I mean, the better team won. The best team in hockey over the last few years overall finally gets their Stanley Cup. It was a very unexhilarating Stanley Cup final. And, I mean, it's nothing against the two teams. Um, but the television ratings were the lowest since 2007. Uh, the game game one of the Stanley Cup final was the lowest since Anaheim and Ottawa, which that, all that needs to tell you. Um, yeah, I mean, just not much going on. You watched every game if you were a dedicated hockey fan, if you were casual, or just you started watching the first round or two because it was the first live sports back uh, since just shutdown. You didn't really give two shits, and the final didn't give you really a reason to tune back in. So, yeah, I mean, pretty standard. Uh, best team won. Uh, surprise, Hedman got Denoris. I know he scored 10 goals. Uh, not Norris. Uh, Smythe. Uh, I know he scored 10 goals, but I thought definitely was going to break a point. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's just Dallas ran out of gas at the end. They kind of rode their top three or four guys down into the drain a little bit to make it this far, and they just didn't have enough to get over the hump with Tampa. Yeah, uh, in regards to the Stanley Cup final in general, at points throughout the series, it was just one team dominating or the other it never really seemed like there was like an in-between factor of people like failing each other out it was just kind of like all right tampa's giving it to them right now and it's like all right dallas came out buzzing and it was just one way or the other it wasn't like uh you know something's gonna break through here you know the neutral zone they're getting a little beat up on both sides it was just one was flying the zone and the other was flying the zone there was no in-between yeah and I guess in terms of one of the main storylines was the Stamkos return for all of, what, five shifts? And then 
I mean, he scored the goal in his first shot back, his first shot of the entire postseason. And then I'm assuming he re-injured himself and missed the second and third period and the rest of the series, kind of put his team in a hole in the, for a little bit in that game. Uh, I know a few weeks ago I referenced like Tampa's salary cap issues and maybe they look to move on from a guy like Stamkos because of how he survived without him. But you see the team reaction when he comes back and he scores that goal and when he brings the cup into the locker room after the game. And I think there's absolutely no way that they can move on from him. He's just that integral to the locker room. Yeah, I mean, he. there was no way they were losing that game. Like, they came out absolutely fucking buzzing when Stammer was in the lineup there. Like you said, the goal... I had kind of a, a question for you, kind of like a what if, because now we can put it in certain scenarios that it's over. So let's say hypothetically they do play Stammer in that game. He does get re-injured as he did, but they don't have the outcome that they want. They end up losing the game. Now you go to game seven, and it's like Cooper said the day after game three, Stamkos is out for the rest of the series. So if they used him there, and now it gets pushed to seven. If you're Steven Stamkos, are you playing in that game, knowing that the game before you could only last three minutes? Like, what do you do there? I was thinking about that. I was like, what? Like, the what-if factor on that end must have been crazy, whether it was Cooper thinking about it, Stamkos, the doctors. Like, I think that one would have been iffy at best. Yeah, I... For Cooper to come out right away and just flat out say he was done for the rest of the series, which would include a Game 7, tells me all I need to know about the severity of the injury that he had. Um, and I don't think, especially in the playoffs, a coach would rule out one of his star players, even if he knows he wasn't going to come back and play, to kind of leave that question for the other team of, is he playing, is he not playing? He's taking... Uh, warm-ups right now does that mean he's in like just the mind games that go along with it so for him to just come out and say nope he's done i don't think there would have been any even if there was a game seven i don't think there would have been almost any chance that sam coach would have played i'm curious to see if you do find out what exactly the injury was i assumed all along it was a core injury because he seemed to be moving okay likewise um and his upper body was able to hoist that stanley cup just fine so We'll see what happens there. On the flip side, you have Sagan, who apparently had groin, hip, uh, and knee injuries that he played through uh, through the postseason, which kind of explains his lack of reduction. But, um, yeah, this is the time of year. It's a little sad for Tampa. They get about a week as Stanley Cup champions and celebrate with the Cup before maybe that core starts getting broken up a little bit because of the salary cap. Uh, quick turnaround for the offseason, so... So now knowing, right, with the thought of a series being able, like it could have went a lot longer, would you have played Stamkos game three or would have you just held on to him for game seven if needed? I would have played, If he was ready to play in game three, I would have played him. Uh, so you think Cooper I, made the right choice then? I mean, if I was Cooper, I would have only played him if I was pretty much knew that he couldn't re-injure himself like it was just a pain tolerance thing at that point uh the fact that i had to play the rest of that game down to 11 forwards and 60 wasn't particularly a good situation to put yourself in but if it was me and he was clear to play felt good to play i'm playing him 
as quickly as possible because I'm playing a win that day. I'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow. All right, fair enough. But in terms of Dallas, everybody's kind of riding that Hadobin bandwagon a little bit, and he did play relatively well in the playoffs. I know he stole a couple games, especially uh, in the Western Conference bubble. Are you like if you're Dallas and you're the GM? Are you sitting there going, "I don't want to overpay this guy, but if I don't, he's out the door, and I'm the guy to let our kind of folk hero leave." See, I, I think the one issue that you're gonna have if you're Dallas is this: your goalie that you have under contract next year is still Ben Bishop. Yeah, which to me makes me think there's going to be a, an injury somewhere along the lines. And probably around the playoffs. Probably right around the playoffs. So it's like if Hudobin's not the guy you're re-signing, you have to at least get a substantial backup goalie in there. Like that. Yeah. That's just my take on it. I mean, I know I don't want to jump the gun, but I mean, if Hudobin's gone, would this be a good place for Hank to land? Yeah, I mean, that was one of the teams before he was bought out that I was looking at for a potential trade scenario where the Rangers do eat some salary, but they don't have to take on as much of a cap hit this year or the penalty next year, trying to save cap space that way. Um, even as a free agent, which we can get into it if you want a little bit, Hadovin's probably going to get, what, $4 million, $4.5 million a year? And if you're a Hank, you get your full buyout, you're basically chasing a cup at this point. And if Dallas is your best scenario, you have that defensive structure in front of you. It's a team that just went to the Stanley Cup final. If they can get another score or two, Take I would take that one-year $2 million deal, $2.5 million deal, and chase that cup. But there's a few other teams that probably pre- present that same scenario for them. Yeah, I agree on the scenario part of it. Uh, but Before we jump into the whole Hank thing... I do feel bad for Dallas. Like you always love an underdog and the whole story of it, but like you have to feel awful for Rick Bonus for what is the number forty years in the NHL or fifty years in the NHL and still no Stanley Cup. Like, like that's tough. And you could see how much the guys on Tampa Bay loved him though. Like going through that handshake line and except him and Cooper, except him and Cooper, that looked a little awkward. <laughs> But, I mean, you could see how genuinely happy Bonus was for those guys. Yeah. And I think it's the third time he's lost in a Stanley Cup final, so to get that close multiple times and not pull it off sucks. Um, And he lost one final with Cooper, too. Yeah. And like you said, the guys in Tampa still love him. I'm assuming not many guys would have been able to keep that boat afloat in Dallas this year after Montgomery is gone and kind of t- keeps that going and turns around a little bit to reach all the way to the Stanley Cup final uh, with that scenario, except for a guy who had the respect of the, the room like he likely does in Dallas, which is he the full-time coach? If he wants to be the full-time coach, because he is a little bit older, uh, he hasn't indicated if he wants it full-time or not, but if he does, I don't think he can go to anybody else. No, I, I don't think so either, and that's one of those things, too, where if Dallas let this guy go, they'd be fools, or if they're trying to go in the wrong direction. like Same thing with Craig Berube in St. Louis. I know they won the cup, but 
if you bring your team from worst to first, are you now magically just going to pull the plug and be like, well, you know, we got a guy in the AHL we're really looking to try out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Fondas doesn't want it and he just goes back to being an assistant, Dallas is pretty attractive landing spot for some of these uh, free agent coaches. But, yeah, if, I mean, if he wants it, it's his. It has to be. I I would assume it has to be. Um, another thing, too, at least on my end, I am just I am so happy that John Cooper finally won the cup, man. I, I fucking love Coop. He's won at every level he's coached at, USHL, AHL, NHL. Um, I, I had a couple of people talking to me today who just say they hate Cooper, and I'm like, why? And, and I, I know you're not a Cooper guy, so, I mean, I'll leave it out there. One of my buddies just said, he has the face of someone I just want to punch. Like that that's yeah, he's a, like, he's just a wants to punch him in the face. Who uh, tells you about the greatest new deal for your four hundred one k? That's all right. Is his name on the cup? I'll <laughs> listen to him. Yeah, I don't hate him. It's just, I can see why people can see his face and think like, oh, I just want to punch it. But I I think he's a good coach. Obviously, Stanley Cup champ. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't hate him. But I also don't pump his tires a little bit and think that he's like one of the best of all time. I never said the best of all time. Oh, no, I'm just I, oh, that okay. out there. Like, yeah, no, no. I, he's a top five and top three to five head coach right now in NHL. Uh, agreed. I, I think it, he's going to be here for a very long time, whether it's Tampa or just the NHL in general. Yeah. Like it, incredible job. And I know a lot of people always try to uh, downplay him because of the roster that he's had, but for a team that had a fall apart like they did last year in Columbus to now finally get over that hump and then to win a Stanley Cup, what, now the players just played better? It wasn't any of the coaches because, you know, everyone hates fucking Cooper? Like, <laughs> no. Like, the the guy is great. Um, he, used to, he used to work on Wall Street. Like, the, the whole story of John Cooper, to me, is incredible, and I think that's why I love him so much because he didn't even get his break till he was in his 30s to then keep going to the point he was at now. So, you know, there are late bloomers, even in coaching. Like, yeah. guy went, he got a law degree because he knew he wasn't going to play hockey professionally. He went to Wall Street. He was doing stocks and annuities. Got the oh, law. there you go right there. That's why he has that stock market face. Yeah, so, so he went there. To end up doing that, he got the law degree so he could possibly get into the agent world. Uh, so he ends up moving to Michigan. And while in Michigan, the judge court that he's working for comes up to him and he goes, I need you to coach my son's high school hockey team. And this is how the coaching started for him. And all Coop said to him, he was wanted to be a public defender. He goes, well, I want to be a public defender. And I guess the judge pulls out all these resumes and puts them on his desk and goes, John, if you coach this team, I can't officially hire you, but all I can do is this. I can put your resume at the top of this pile instead of the middle of it. And then it took off coached. And then he went to the NAHL, went down there. He won the championship there. Like he used to put the boards and the glass in for the junior team. Like, the guy has been through the trials and tribulations. Like, he's been through the ringer. And at that point, when you're doing that shit, you don't think it's going to be a professional gig by any means, you know? So, 
for him to do that, and then he gets his break in the AHL, and that story's great, too, when he said Stevie Eiserman calls him for a, an interview, tells his wife, there's no fucking way I'm getting this job. Goes down there for the interview. He says he walks in, and there's Steve Eiserman. Stevie puts his hand out, and he goes, hi, I'm Steve Eiserman. And Coop just looks at him and, like, shoulders drop with a shrug, and he's just like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> like and i don't know man i love him L- legit i mean maybe there's still hope for me to coach a team to win the stanley cup that's all i'm saying maybe it's just for us late bloomers all right and also on a similar note uh just the likelihood of him hearing this is almost zero but no 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 the former ranger captain ryan mcdonough finally winning a stanley cup at least it was in a blue uniform uh even though it wasn't ranger blue so if- it felt good seeing him lift a cup after uh, the years and the bruises and the blood and the uh, effort he put in, in a Ranger uniform to almost get us to Stanley Cup. So it's nice to see him finally lift it. All right. Well, speaking of Ranger Blue, do you want to uh, take it away of today's news? Yeah. Um, trust me, it hit harder last night um, and this morning seeing all the posts on Instagram from Hank thanking the organization and the fans in the city. But, uh, yeah, the Rangers bought out uh, Henrik Lundqvist, so his 15-year career with the team has ended. Uh, I'll run through some stats here really quick before we talk about uh, potential next steps for him. He's sixth all-time in NHL history in wins, seventh in saves, eighth in games played, ninth in starts, ninth in time on ice, and 16th in shutouts. In postseason history, Lundqvist is seventh in saves, seventh in starts, eighth in time on ice, tenth in games, and tied for 11th in shutouts and tied for 14th in wins. He is the Rangers' all-time leader in wins, shutouts, games, starts, saves, time on ice, and points by a goalie. He's New York's postseason leader in wins, shutouts, games, starts, saves, and time on ice. He won a league record six straight game sevens with a sub 1.0 goals against average. And at one point went 15-3 and three with a 1.47 goals against and a 9.54 save percentage in two shutouts in games when they're facing elimination. And he's the only goalie to win 20 or more games in each of his first 13 seasons and is tied with Marty Brodeur and Patrick Waugh for the most 31 seasons in NHL history at 11. I am so mad I didn't have it teed up because, I mean... I was just going to play like in the background, like, we'll stay <laughs> Sorry, that's all I was thinking. But, um, um I- incredible but yeah. career. Like, yeah. Sweden, gold medal. Like, he won a gold medal for Sweden. Huge dick. Yep. Best dressed star in New York history, even ahead of Joe Namath. Yeah. Biggest um, inseam in New York history. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, franchise icon. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. His jersey is going to be retired to the Raptors basically the year after he retires from the NHL, if it's not this offseason. Um, you know, I know Yager had a big hand at this and Tom Rennie back in the day before Torts came in, but he turned the franchise around. Uh, up until 2004 season, the Rangers missed the playoffs eight straight years. He comes in as a rookie in 2006, 2005, 2006 season. And it's just 15 years of dominance. Um, he was the franchise, face of the franchise. He was the man here in New York. Um, he embraced the city. Like it's kind of weird to s- try and convey the feeling. So I'll try to and equate it to Tuca. 
Tuca is one of the best goaltenders that you guys have had, at least in your life, our lifetime. And but he's never quite fit in. Like he doesn't seem like he's a Boston guy. Boston doesn't like truly just embrace him as one of their own. Like Brady was obviously with the Pats, but that was Hank here in New York. And I know he didn't bring a Stanley Cup here, but it was just kind of that mutual respect and relationship where he came here as a 23 year old, 24 year old. Grew up here, got married here, had his kids here. Um, now he's 38 years old and hopefully going to chase the Stanley Cup. But, I mean, on a personal level, everybody knows Hank's my favorite Ranger of all time, uh, topping Adam Graves. But it's one of those things where he's the last player, and because of how old we're getting, I mean, at least for you, you're married, two kids, like we're in our 30s. It's just, you don't. Have that a, kind of that experience where you have a new favorite player and it's just like your entire life. Like it's somebody you look up to. We're at that age now where once those guys that we grew up kind of idolizing are gone, it's just now, oh, here's this new young kid that's a good hockey player. There's never that same connection. And Hank was the last one, at least for me. Jeter's gone, Moe's gone. Uh, so there's not really too many guys left and he was that. So... He was for 15 years every night, no matter what was going on. 15. His rookie year was our freshman year in college, and through relationships and moving across the country, across the world, different cars, different jobs, all the shit. For 82 nights a year plus the playoffs, you knew who was going to be in goal for the New York Rangers and that consistent presence, no matter what was going on. So, that's kind of the personal aspect of it for me with Hank, but also just the dominance that he had as a player. And if anybody in this league who hasn't won a Stanley Cup deserves a Stanley Cup next year, he's got he's right up there with a guy like Pavelski. Maybe him and Pav can do it together. Yeah, in Dallas. So, I mean, I guess talking about the future here, the Rangers buy him out, so they get $3 million in cap savings for this upcoming season, um, combined with the Mark Stahl trade from over the weekend where they basically – sold a second round pick to Detroit so they would take his entire cap hit. The Rangers are pretty much okay now with the salary cap for this year. There is a $1.5 million penalty on the cap for next year for the Rangers, which isn't that bad. Um, so it's basically at this point, the Rangers have turned the franchise over to uh, Igor Shosturkin and Alexander Georgiev and goal, and then Hank's going to see what the market's like and if he can get a contender to give him starting job or one a kind of job because he definitely is not going to sign up to be a 20 game backup. That is not happening. He'd rather retire apparently than let that happen. So you kind of, that narrows it down to teams where they have an opening in goal or they are looking for a veteran to pair up with one of their young guys and they're a legit Stanley cup contender and they have a little bit of cap room. So for me, that list is Calgary, Colorado, Dallas, Vancouver, Edmonton and Boston if they move on from Tuca. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've heard Sweeney has been working the phones, but but there's no confirm. I mean, there's a lot of big rumors about Oliver ekman Larson, but Tuca has been, or at least the talk of Tuca has been quiet currently. Yeah. I mean, and especially if now that they came out and said that that issue with him in a bubble, like they knew what was going on or whatever, 
unless a team like Calgary blows them away from offer, I'm expecting Tuca to stay in Boston for another year. So it's basically you're looking at the Western Conference if you're a Lundqvist because most of the teams in the East, like he's not going to the Islanders. He's not going to the Penguins. Like I, He'd rather retire than win a cup with those two teams. I'd be stunned if he went there. But if you're looking at the West, like everybody's talking about Colorado for obvious reasons. Cal- uh, Calgary needs a goaltender. Dallas, if Hedovan leaves, looks like a good fit. But I think Vancouver is a sleeper here because it looks like Markstrom's going to be going. Uh, you know, maybe the Sedin twins give Hank a call, fellow countrymen, and say Vancouver's a great place to play. Look at our young talent. The condo waiting for you. Yeah, like come here, uh, split time with Demko, and then whoever is the be- better goaltender throughout the regular season next year gets that start in game one, and then that, it's up to you if you take that and run with it. So I do think he ends up in the Western Conference. Uh, if I had to narrow it down, like in order, I think it goes Colorado, Vancouver, Calgary, Dallas in that order in terms of likelihood. But either way, whatever team gets Hank, even if they were playing the Rangers in the Stanley Cup final, I'm rooting for that team. Like Hank needs his cup. The Rangers fucked him over, not getting him enough help for 15 years. He deserves it. And I know this segment is about Hank, but one thing regarding at least the Rangers right now is currently on the books for next year with all the previous buyouts you've guys had, just about $13 million on the cap. Like, yeah, Shattenkirk with 6 mil. Shattenkirk at 6 mil, Hank at 5-5, five five, uh, Dan Girardi ones across the board, and then just a random 300000 for Ryan Spooner. <laughs> but like... Are you hoping that there's some team that's near the basement that'll take one of these on, even if it's Girardi or like just to get something off the books? Like that's a lot of money just for a year. And can you trade buyouts? Because sure the Rangers could, technically right? don't have their contracts anymore. Well, then yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, I mean, we're okay, and especially I think the Rangers are going to be making a move to move on from D'Angelo just because. Fox is ahead of him on a depth chart. They're paying Truba first pair money. He's also a right-hand shot, and he needs power play time. And if D'Angelo is not on a power play and he's on your third pair, is he really worth $5 million a year? And if you're the Rangers and you're looking for either a first pair left-hand shot defenseman to go with Truba or second-line center, I mentioned to you maybe D'Angelo and our second first-round pick for Sean Monaghan. Um... I think he might be on a move, and that frees up an additional four to five million dollars in cap space that the Rangers were probably budgeting for him. So we'll be all right cap wise. We'll be okay in goal, hopefully. Uh, if Shosturkin really is the real deal here, but um, yeah, it's just kind of a end of an era, obviously here in New York, but also just personally in terms of now I'm that old guy who says, "Look, that hey, look, this young kid's coming up. He's playing pretty well." And when I say kid, I can actually mean it. Now, random question for you, right? Like, obviously the Rangers are your team through and through, and you've already stated that if the Rangers go up against whoever and Hank's on the team, you're rooting for Hank just on a personal level. Yeah. So now uh, the question I have is, with that, like, do the Rangers kind of, like, step down a little bit just because Hank is gone? Like, it's not like... Right now with me and the Patriots, like, Brady's gone. Like, 
we brought in a great qu- quarterback in Cam Newton, but it's not like we knew what to expect. Like, are you kind of on mm. that fence there where it's like, well, I don't know what to expect right now just because we have Shashirkin and currently George Ev, so it's like we're hoping for what we've already seen, but this could be an absolute crapshoot for all we know. Yeah, I mean, Shashirkin has played – I mean, he's dominated wherever he's gone, but he has less than, I think, 20 games of NHL experience at this point. Um you seeing young guys who have played well in the minors and prior to their draft year come into the NHL, have a good sam- small sample size, and then fade off into oblivion. So you never know there. Georgiev, I think he's a solid backup slash 50-50 goaltender, but I also think it's part of the system with Benoit Allaire and helping him out, so who knows there. So there is the risk of these guys aren't able to fill those shoes. On the other side, the Rangers are hoping to look at it where it's like the Packers, where you go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see. I think in terms of the fan base itself, it is a big hit. Um, even though he was 38 and he was past his prime at this point, like he was the face. And now you look at the Rangers and like who's like like Panarin, but is he really? He's here for one year. Zibanejad, like. I guess because he's probably going to be named the next captain, but I was, it's kind of slim pickings for fans, kind of casual fans to latch onto here. Uh, that's true. Um, where are we heading to next? Uh, I guess we can kind of just hit on upcoming dates. Like I said earlier, it's a very quick turnaround for the NHL offseason. Uh, next week is NHL draft, so there's really kind of no blockage off there in terms of having a summer and then everything kicks off. So next week, October 6th, is the first round, which is next Tuesday. Uh, the Rangers have the first overall pick. They'll be going with Alex Lafreniere. Uh, after that, it's a craft shoot. We'll see what, what goes on with uh, trades. I think this draft is going to be pretty hectic in terms of teams making moves and using draft capital to get out of contracts since the cap is staying flat at 81.5 mil. Um, so it should be an exciting fr- pretty much from tomorrow through the draft with buyouts and trades like even Lamorello in an interview today said a lot of people are going to be surprised about who gets moved so he's obviously hearing things that are going on in discussions so first round of the draft is next Tuesday and then next Friday is the start of free agency so we got a week and a half until free agency starts and that's just going to be I mean, the big guy's going to get paid for Trangelo, Taylor Hall, but the guys down the middle, you might get some good deals if you wait out these guys uh, into, at this point, season, uh, into like November, early December, you might get a good deal on the free agent market if you're a team with a little bit of cap space. Yeah, I, I think this is probably one of the most interesting, uh, Jesus, like Tom Rennie, <laughs> interesting off-seasons that we've run into just because of the cap not going anywhere like usually everyone's ready for a payday that might not be the case this year so it it makes it very intriguing there's also that martin you know that guy he's he plays in long island or brooklyn matt barzell Uh, oh yeah i I heard he was pretty pretty solid i heard heard he's a good player i heard there could be some offer sheets in play for him so i think this is one of the most wild ones of all time um, the I mean, Bru- look at Tampa, Sorelli, 
Um, Cernak is also RFA. Who else is RFA there? I actually just had them up. I had switched over to your Rangers to see yeah. all the buyouts. But, um, uh, Sergachev, Sergachev. Ser- yeah, and I mean, he, he kind of cemented his place during this whole playoff. So, yeah. I mean, if Sean Avery likes Sergachev, then everybody else should have to. <laughs> Um, Hopeful future podcast guest, Sean Avery. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, uh, we'll pay the extra on Cameo. We can definitely bring <laughs> him on. But, uh, no, uh, Tori Krug and the Bruins, uh, yet again, they finally had their first talks, and he rejected a six-year deal worth 6.25. And, I, A, I don't, bl- I don't blame him. Uh, I think just... On the market, six point two five. He he was getting five point two five. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, like, for Boston, that's like almost an insulting offer. Oh yeah, I mean, I was expecting at least minimum for Tory to get at least a two million dollar a year raise. So it was seven point two five. That that was my guess. Yeah. Um, and then I heard that, that the Bruins range. Yeah. And then I heard that the Bruins are shopping his rights, so hopefully someone could get him now, so they can negotiate with him before the actual uh, free agency begins just because they would then have his rights. Uh, still has not been dealt yet, but allegedly him and the Bruins are still in talks, but I am not very I, optimistic by any means on that. I, the thing is, you guys are saying you have trouble fitting in a Tory Krug extension, but then apparently you're in on Ekman Larson and say like he has yeah, a massive and, and deal. Ekman Larson gets paid more than Krug, so yeah, I am so completely like, I against all It must that. be they just don't like Tory Krug, man. Like, I don't think they be, think he's going to age well. It, it like that, or it's his size. There's just something that Sweeney does not want to commit to long-term. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see what that is. Yeah, next week, uh, before free agency starts, definitely... Um, probably be nice to have it post draft to see if any trades go down and recap those. But we'll definitely have a podcast kind of going over uh, names to look out for in a free agent market, recap of any trades that went down, and also give like a little Rangers Bruins offseason preview with the assumption and hope that it's a the season offseason schedule sticks to what the NHL is proposing and we do get a normal kickoff. Um, in time for next January, December or January. Yeah, allegedly it's supposed to be going around uh, the Winter Classic start date, so we'll see if everything's on track for that. One random question for you and my Bruins, just because you're an inside guy and you've already had them. We are kind of all over the place, and we we don't really know what to expect from who or from where. Like, our our bottom six is kind of iffy on the forward end. Do you think it would be all right or (laughs) or worth our time? Because I don't want it to also become an old old man's club of, you know, recycled names or just Boston guys. But do you think it'd be worth the Bruins to take a flyer on Jimmy VC for like a two million dollar one year deal? Uh, I mean, if there's one word that describes Jimmy VC's NHL career, it's ugh. I know there is so much hope. I, I it's just like he still has the size. He's six three. If he's playing bottom six, but the other thing I think too is we haven't had an actual confirmation on Andre Kasha as to whether he's the player that the Bruins hope he could be. So it's like if he kind of fizzles out, 
and I mean, you have VC on the third line. Would you bring him up to play with a great playmaker like David Krejci? Like, Charlie Coyle, I think, is a great 3C, you know. And, I mean, Charlie's a big kid, too. I mean, you could have a 6'3 guy, a 6'3 center and a 6'3 wing. I know physicality isn't their strong suit, but, I mean, just those big bodies alone should make you a little bit harder to play against. It's like... I just don't want it to be because we already have Coyle, we already have Wagner, we already have Grizzlick that we're bringing all the Boston boys home. I don't want it to be like that by any means, but it's like for a flyer on something that wouldn't cost you too much money, I don't think it's a bad place to land. And he's still young, too. He's only 27. Yeah, I mean, for okay, for VC, I'd be surprised if he gets $2 million this offseason, the way the cap is and the way he's played. I know you talked about him playing with a playmaker. He played with Eichel in Buffalo, and then he had to get demoted to the fourth line. So if Eichel couldn't get him going, I don't know if even a guy like Krejci could. I mean, if you want to take a flyer, one-year deal, one million with some incentives that could bump it up to two, two and a half million or whatever, um, you can finally squash uh, Marshan's comment about choosing the wrong team. Uh Sure, like one year, one million, one and a half million with incentives, put them on the third, fourth line, see what happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, anything more than that or any more expectations than a guy who might be able to potch you 10 goals in the bottom six, I think is kind of putting a little too much emphasis on his pedigree versus what he's actually done. I know, it's just a hope. I'm just saying, I mean... I'd rather, Dude, if I were you, if you guys are looking for bottom six production that can actually help, big game brass, baby. Uh, yeah, but I don't think we can afford Brassard. Uh, yeah, not I'm not after the postseason. Like... <laughs> yeah. And one other random thing just with VC is every year in New York, he was a minus and plus minus. In Buffalo last year, he was actually a plus, which is very interesting to me that, that he ended up on top there. I thought that'd be at least a minus 38, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's okay defensively. Uh, he's... Let's just say this. He's a he has better he has slightly better hands and skates a little bit better than Jimmy Hayes. Oh no no, he's way better than Hayes. Don't even <laughs> go there. I mean so. <laughs> I, I remember I saw um I saw VC when he was playing for Harvard uh, against Merrimack when Merrimack was good, not when Merrimack shit like right now. And I mean, just off his size, I know Merrimack's a little bit smaller of a rink. But, I mean, like, just off his size, you could see him moving. Like, wow, this kid's a fucking player. And he was at Harvard before all the other guys were. And now it's just like, did his game just not translate to the next level? Did he just have issues adapting? Like, it's like, fuck, man, there was so much hope for that kid. And I think that's all I'm hoping for is, like, a local guy who kind of, you know, has ties to him. It's like, I just want to see the see the kid do good. Oh, shit, who knows? Maybe you get what Brian Boyle was for the Rangers when they first got him, where he was a fourth-line guy in L.A., didn't score for shit, was a former first-round pick who kind of fizzled, and then he comes to New York and he scores, like, 20 goals in his first year. Only had, like, five assists, but 20 goals, like, 11 on a power play, and you catch lightning in a bottle or something. Yeah, you never know. I, I am looking at Derek, though. He was a uh, 1.2 last year. I mean, definitely affordable. I I'd take him in a heartbeat. I love Big Dick Derek. Yeah, if Broussard's just money when it comes to uh, down a stretch into the playoffs, meeting clutch. And that was what we completely lacked this postseason. So 
that that could be our guy. Yeah. So I mean, I'm trying to think of the lineup in my head right now for the Rangers. Like I, if, I'd bring him in for a reunion, put him on the third third line in power play. Yeah, t- take it away, Derek. After you, <laughs> so all right. Yeah, there's no today in NHL history because nothing of note has happened on a September 30th in NHL history. Apparently, um, unless you think Matt Sundin being named the first non-Canadian captain of the Maple Leafs is noteworthy or not. No. Um, but other than that, I'm tossing it to you for shoutouts. All right, uh, shoutouts for me. Um, crap. Yeah, I don't even know who I got for <laughs> shoutouts. It's it's been a very nice, quiet, and relaxing week. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'm just gonna leave it to uh, my zen, my my nice, positive relaxation. Off to okay. you. And I like hearing that. <laughs> um, shout out for me, first lady, of course, who uh, kicking ass right now. I can hear her in the other room doing her uh, program right now via Zoom, but uh. Also, shout out to my friend Brian from the Peace Corps. Spent last weekend, last Thursday through Sunday with him over in Denver. Um, had a good time out there, so it was always nice to catch up. Uh, somebody who's now, what, six, going on seven years strong. Uh, nowhere close to me and you, Pook, so don't feel threatened. Um, but yeah, so shout out First Lady and Brian, and shout out, once again, the king, my one and my only, Henrik Lundqvist. I was going to say, I'll put a fucking crocodile between you and Brian. He keeps his shit up. <laughs> but uh, a, a couple things coming up for you guys here on 2, 5, and 10. We are going to be having a... I'm trying to figure out the word for this. He is a community relations member of the New Jersey Devils coming on with us. We're going to have the video coach of an NHL team. We are going to have a head coach of an ECHL team, a long-term assistant coach in the AHL. And uh, we're just kind of go from there, try to keep you guys as into it as possible as to what's going on. We do think there's going to be a lot of movement coming up with this draft and free agency. So we will definitely talk to you guys soon. Everybody, thank you. Like us, follow us, the whole nine. We'll talk to you then. Two, five, and ten hockey. Bye-bye. talk about Take those pictures down and shake it out Truth or consequence Say it aloud Use that evidence Race it around There goes my hero Watch him as he goes There goes my hero, he's ordinary
the unsuspecting victim of darkness in the valley. We can live like Jack and Sally if we want, where you can always find me. And we'll have Halloween on Christmas, and in the night we'll wish this never ends. We'll wish this never ends.